Welcome to a new episode of Down the Rabbit Hole. Now we reach episode 66. Uh-huh. Yep, because the uh, previous one was 65. <laughs> I, I'm, I get it. Yeah, I don't think anybody would have guessed that, no, right? No, well, I'm glad we're going, you know, for that kind of simple sequence <laughs> stuff, but there you go. So, yeah, so yeah. a new year. Right? New year. Actually, this is the first show we're recording in 2018. Yeah, we both had many, many other things to do for the last mm-hmm. two or three weeks. Yeah, sure. different projects coming in and so yeah, on. So, uh, we've had a little bit of a break. Mm-hmm. But here we are. Santa's been. Yeah. What do you get from Santa? Um... Not much, really, because obviously I'm old and I've got everything I need. Yeah. Um, maybe a new hip. A new hip. <laughs> I don't need a new hip. Yeah. But one I've got, my original hip is fine. Yeah. Um, what else? Uh, well, not much, really. I'm more uh-huh. into experiences now than than actual things. Yeah. So, you know, it's... Um, It gets interesting as you get older, right? <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, what have we got today? Well, we start with some news. Um, okay. It was some very recent news. Yeah. Uh, about Mars. About Mars. One Because of, they discover our... ice water. Uh, well, no. Water ice. ice. Iced water. Yeah. <laughs> Iced With a water. D at the end, iced. Iced water. Or frozen water. Or frozen water, maybe. Water yeah. ice. Yeah, exactly. And it's very near to the surface, isn't it? That's the most outstanding thing. And lots of it, apparently. Eight points. They have been able to match eight points yeah. across the surface, uh, or the area where they were looking, where these eight locations, using uh, this uh, high-rise camera in the, yeah. orbi- in the Mars Reconnaissance Orbiter, yeah. they were able to pinpoint the exact eight locations where very big quantities yeah, of huge. water subsurface mm. have been exposed by the erosion, leaving it accessible for further study. Yeah, so maybe. I know this mm-hmm. isn't the, the European rover that's going off next year. It's going, it uh, yeah. And has a drill, right? A drill, and can drill a few quite, centimeters down. Quite a bit down, I believe. Yeah, but enough to reach... Yeah. Those deposits. Yeah. So it may be interesting. Maybe they'll um, uh-huh. find themselves in one of those areas. Yes. Actually, uh, they are stating that it's as little as one to two meters, Yeah, the depth of the water. Yeah. But I think it's mixed with soil, isn't it? Regu- yeah. Well, Regolith, as mm-hmm. they call it, on mm-hmm. those. So obviously it's not like... Pure you know, water. Shove a pipe into the ground with a tap on and just... And there you it. go. Uh-huh. Yeah. You go, oh dear. Yeah, no, 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 but... This is very interesting because if they are able to analyze yeah. these water uh, deposits... Yeah, what if it had microbes in exactly. it? Exactly. And I think, as we mentioned before we came on air, I think the first company to get there, we could see our first Mars mineral water yeah. coming back, right? Mm-hmm. I think Elon Musk could be the Elon guy, Musk, right? yeah, yeah. Musk, Mars, mineral water. Yes. Well, of course, all the speculation starts now about making Mars even more... Habitable. Habitable, like less yeah. hard. But first we need to get those analyses. I don't know how they're going to get over the lack of magnetosphere, do you? No. That, I think that is one of the m- main problems yeah. they have, actually. When they keep talking about... 
well, they, I mean, you read this stuff about terraforming and all you think, yeah, yeah, but without a magnetosphere, is it a waste of time? So they're they're, they're always going to end up undercover somehow, aren't they? Definitely. But maybe they could, yeah, whatever. So that's news. That's news. From Mars. From Mars, yeah. We like to give you local Mm -hmm. system news. Yeah. And that's, you know... That's what we've got. It's in the vicinity. It's in the neighborhood. Yeah. Uh-huh. As we call it. Yeah. So it's, I think, something interesting, something to keep an eye. Something for the future. Yes. When Once we reach those deposits and are able to analyze few things. Although, if I recall, there was this test about uh, gas emissions to detect if there could oh, be... Oh, the methane thing, right? Yeah, the methane thing, yeah. Yeah, because there's a thing about, is it? geological or is it biological biological yeah yeah well yeah that's still they're still on that aren't they yeah mm-hmm. so who knows you know then maybe mars has some surprises left i mean it seems to have plenty of surprises and it keeps oh yeah keeps delivering doesn't it yeah definitely so that is the news item the first of 2018 yeah that's the first one we do and i think uh we're gonna go Actually, right into the topic. Are we? Yes, because uh, it's a good job we're prepared. Then we. It's actually pretty interesting, very up to date, especially because things happening. Yes, and, and it is called Secret War Public Menace. Yes, I think that sounds sufficiently threatening, don't you? Yeah, at, at first it could sound like spice and things like that. We could have done Secret War. Yeah. Hidden Menace. We could have done that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's another option. I would sound pretty stupid, man. But uh, we're talking about another kind of war. We are. We are, in fact. Which could lead actually to a regular war. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, this is the interesting thing, because right now, while you're listening to this podcast, there is actually a hidden global war underway it's going on and uh, the motivation for a lot of this shall we say conflict action mm-hmm. is actually money so there's, yeah. there's no real surprises there but some of it is actually a deliberate and persistent attempt to actually do harm and the harm that they're trying to do is to critical infrastructure financial systems, mm-hmm. healthcare systems, and, of course, private enterprise. And we have seen this also in that TV series, uh, uh, Mr. Mr. Robot, Robot which where, is highly recommended by Yes, you, they are targeting all these uh, yeah. uh, area sectors. Yes. Um, I think we'll come to it in a minute, but Mm -hmm. uh, some of these areas are more vulnerable than others. Definitely. Um, But I think the thing about this conflict, if we can call it that, Mm -hmm. is that it's not going away anytime soon. No. And literally, because there's nobody to make peace with, right? Yeah. And it is almost certainly likely to get worse as we... I think, mm-hmm. kind of sleepwalk into an ever more connected world, which is mm-hmm. where we are. Right? Everything starts to be all interconnected. Yeah. All kinds of services. All kinds of stuff that we never mm-hmm. really considered candidates, but are now, right? Mm-hmm. So what we thought we would do is uh, 
give you a bit of a look about what is going on, mm-hmm. who or what is behind what may be a defining problem of this century. Yes. Yeah? And uh, we're talking about cyber, cyber attacks. Cyber attacks, cyber warfare. Mm-hmm. Yeah? Which uh, has been actually being happening things like this in the back yeah. without getting out to the public knowledge since yeah. many years ago. Many years ago. It's mm-hmm. bec- what is changing is the sophistication, isn't it? Yes. And and, and the availability of the means to execute mm-hmm. it. Yeah. I think more and more, uh, I think in the past, it was easier to find uh, what we could call script kiddies mm. uh, trying to test and just yeah. for the fun and Probing. so on. Unless more, prof- if we can call it professional, less malicious, less malicious, malicious, or kind of black hats, really right? with intended uh, yeah. objectives, to harm or yeah. make money or mm-hmm. extract money. And nowadays, I think it's the other way around. Yeah, you can find more often uh, bad intended uh, mm. attacks and hacks mm. in trying to obtain information that could become. Vulnerable either to companies, governments. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think part of this is a natural progression over the last, let us say, 20 years mm-hmm. of inroads being made by um, um, police forces globally mm-hmm. at tackling more regular forms of crime like fraud, uh, uh-huh. you know, kind of physical world scams. I think that nowadays most police have a kind of a, a cyber unit. Cyber yeah. unit, yeah. But but I think what has happened is that crime is being driven into the cyber world because it's attractive mm-hmm. because it appears to be the law and the police uh, infrastructure uh, law enforcement infrastructures around the world are kind of playing catch up aren't they? They're, they're, yeah. Yeah. They're scrabbling to keep up with the pace of criminal technology development, I think. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, yeah. I, and we know that there are criminal organizations that are technical criminal organizations, and they create tools that they sell to other criminals. Yeah. I mean, you can rent bot <laughs> networks, right, by the hour. Yeah, definitely. Right? And actually, that has become a very good business. Yeah. But yeah, exactly. Yeah. And of course, the growth of the dark web um, has created a marketplace for uh, these kinds of tools. Mm-hmm. And of course, it's all, it always makes big, big headlines when the police agencies shut down a dark web marketing uh, product platform. Mm-hmm. But within hours, another one pops up selling yeah. the same stuff, right? Uh-huh. It's it's literally a game of cat and mouse, isn't it? In many ways. Yeah. Um, so we're talking about cyber attacks, cyber warfare, but in this podcast, we're not talking about. We're talking about the non-personal. Um, mm-hmm. We're we all are fairly familiar, I think, with the um, with the tropes of uh, protecting your own personal computers from viral attacks and so on. And I think my only thought about that is that obviously a huge industry has grown up to 
furnish the demands of that yeah. threat. And my only kind of thought on it is that um, with the amount of protection software you have to have on a computer these days, it's almost like driving a sports car with the brakes on because you've got mm-hmm. all this security software actually slowing down the PC. Definitely. Which is crazy, right? Uh, actually, this uh, has caused um, not only, like you said, the whole new uh, the industry to get really very robust and yeah. uh, a lot of gains, but I think it has separated from what at the beginning were many companies doing antiviruses and uh, security firewalls. It has made some of them very uh, known and let's say powerful very or rich, very rich, wealthy. wealthy, and others totally almost disappear. Yes, because maybe the lack of uh, uh, keeping uh, up to date yeah, with the vir- virus yes. uh, files or, or having the proper virus people. definitions. And- mm-hmm. But it, it has certainly shaped a lot and changed mm. what used to be the industry of uh, personal security yeah. in the computers to what it is now. Yeah, I mean, again, it's a bit like any competitive market, isn't it? It's, a, it's an arms race as mm-hmm. to who's got the best product at any one time. And I suspect that in the very early days, when this kind of thing started to emerge, uh, protection, personal protection yeah. products, they, they were actually not that sophisticated. They were just pattern matching, looking exactly. for bits of code. Well, you can't do that anymore. Yeah, it's now got really sophisticated. Yeah. And I suspect that the uh, the kinds of skill sets, the kinds of individuals that you need to recruit are um, getting really quite specialised, aren't they? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And probably actually command very good remuneration packages, very good pay. No, definitely, I mean, definitely. It, there's no doubt about it. Security obviously is a is a very demanding area. Isn't yeah, it? but growth. This podcast we're talking today about. Uh, yeah, we're not talking about the personal, the personal one. Yeah, we're talking about uh, a bigger yeah player here. It's which the bigger we're, picture. We're talking about governments. We're talking about full infrastructures. Yeah. So, what we want to do is we want we want to take it beyond the sphere of the personal mm-hmm. and. Uh, talk about what is the current state of play when you get beyond the sphere of the personal. And uh, what we thought we'd do is review uh, two or three real-world attacks that uh, have actually made it into the the media. And I think that is an important point, that have made it into the media, Mm -hmm. because I actually believe that the level of attack is way higher. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure that the financial system is being continuously compromised, compromised continuously, and so is um, other infrastructure systems. And we just we're just not told about it. Definitely. It's not it's not in the interests of a bank to reveal. Although they actually are, they are obliged. They to... are they are obliged to with it. But you know. I mean, look at what happened with that. Uh, what was that company in the US? The one that held credit records. Yeah. Um, the, um, what was it called? That was holding all your history yeah. of uh, credit and yeah. I, how it's called. Uh, I can't remember the name. I think people know. Euro or something. About. Yeah. People know who we're talking about. Uh-huh. I mean, the level of uh, disregard that company had for the information they were holding yeah. is incredible. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, because they weren't a financial company, <laughs> they weren't actually obliged, <laughs> obliged to, re- to reveal. Exactly. This is interesting, right? Mm-hmm. So, and apparently this is the case with, if you're a hospital or, or actually a company, a private company, mm-hmm. you're not obliged to reveal unless there has been a potential financial impact on yeah. uh, well, individuals. Hospitals and medical uh, facilities are actually one of the most uh, vulnerable vulnerable because mm. they never made that big of a leap in technology mm. and security. No. And that's why there's a lot of insisting from governments and private persons for these kind of uh, companies or public health institutions yeah. to secure themselves yeah. and protect the personal data that they hold. Yeah. Well, it's more than that, isn't it? There's not only the um, infrastructure computing infrastructure within these kinds of organizations like uh, hospitals, health systems generally, but the actual medical equipment itself. A lot Uh of them actually do have remote data connections. Yes. And my understanding is they're very poor security Mm -hmm. on these things. Some of those equipments still use Windows XP computers as a base or XP. Yeah. Well, and I have seen that actually. Well, it's the case in the UK that um, it's something. I think it's something like thirty or forty percent of PC systems in the national health service hospitals, of which there are thousands, uh-huh. and therefore many tens of thousands of PCs are running Windows XP. Yeah, and I remember not so long ago, actually, uh, ultrasound machine. You know, this kind of for making uh, ecographies. Uh, was based on a Windows XP computer. Yeah. And in the middle of the check, it crashed. Yeah. And they had to reboot it and <laughs> wait again for it to come up. And, come back up. Yeah. Well, I actually read, it actually gets worse than that because obviously these things are physical wired connections to the internet. But I read about three months ago about a wireless hack of a heart pacemaker. Wow. That's spooky. That's scary, right? Yeah, yeah, really scary. And the pacemaker was advanced model. It could be interrogated and various things done to it wirelessly. Mm-hmm. And it got hacked. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, yes. To uh, go back to some real-world examples that we can talk about, uh, if we go back to what is meant to be the world's first publicly known state-level cyber attack. When we mean state-level, we mean it was actually created by a nation-state. And it was an attack on another nation-state. And that was uh, the computer worm that later became known as Stuxnet. And it is widely believed that that was developed over a period starting from around 2005 under the Bush administration, right? But it was detected only until until 2010. That's right. Now, the interesting thing about it was it was detected by another <laughs> company that has a real PR problem at the moment, which is Kapersky Labs. Kapersky. Uh-huh. Uh, they actually detected Kaspersky. it infecting uh, PCs generally on the internet. And the interesting thing was, was that was in 2010. And when it was detected, they couldn't figure out what it was What was for. it doing? Because, because it, it was like dormant. It was yeah, just staying there for it, a moment. Yeah. yeah, it just kind of sat there and didn't do anything. Anyway, 
through further analysis, it was figured out that what this PC infection was trying to do was that it was checking ports on the on the PC looking for a particular type of industrial controller. A Siemens one. And it was made by Siemens. And an industrial controller, in case you don't know, is a kind of like a computer, but it's a specialised kind of module. It doesn't have a keyboard, it doesn't have a screen. It connects yeah. via serial ports, usually on a to a PC that then gives it instructions and the controller might be controlling an industrial process. It might be making beer, it might be a printing press, whatever. Now, in this particular case, Stuxnet was looking for Siemens industrial controllers that were themselves controlling a particular piece of hardware in an industrial yeah. process. And that industrial process was uh, uranium enrichment centrifuges. So basically, what they were trying to get at was the uranium enrichment program being run by Iran. Yeah. And obviously, through intelligence gathering, they knew that um, Iran were running thousands of uranium enrichment machines and each one had one of these Siemens controllers on it. And the, uh, the, the interesting part is that actually it, uh, it reached this... Uh, it got there. It got there <laughs> and... Started to change and uh, yeah. make variations the in the centrifuge uh, speed yeah. to whatever oh, chaotically, yeah. you know, randomly, yeah. and it is turned nearly one thousand uranium enriching centrifuge. And uh, we've linked to an yeah. article that describes in uh -huh. detail what was going on, and the intention was apparently was was actually to do just that, and it was to actually. Uh, a bit of a psychological warfare thing in that what they were trying to do was dent the confidence yeah. of the regime in the scientists that were running the program. To, mm -hmm. to slow them down. Yeah, yeah, to make them think that they were either incompetent or mm -hmm. And as you mentioned, um, in the end it managed Stuxnet through allowing the um, centrifuges apparently just to run completely wild, yep. yeah. uh, destroyed almost a thousand uh, centrifuges, and it was the first publicly acknowledged uh, incident of a virtual attack creating physical damage in mm -hmm. a in a nation state's infrastructure. And, yeah. it, and it's largely regarded as heralding a new era of conflict, which is offensive cyber warfare. Yeah. It's fascinating stuff. Mm -hmm. um, now, it is thought that Stuxnet got in to the Siemens controller indirectly. It had to get there indirectly. Yeah, somehow. And it was actually done via the Windows PC that was controlling the centrifuges. Yeah. So the, the controllers are networked. There's one per centrifuge and then one PC controlling the network yeah. of controllers, right? Yeah. So all you have to do is infect that one and it's thought that it was probably done via a USB stick so maybe yeah. it was an inside job, right? Mm -hmm. Nobody's talking. And it's interesting that they use for this and it was a little bit in that moment uh, new, unprecedented. New approach, yeah. 
With, they use four zero-day attacks. And just for the listeners, what is a zero-day attack? A zero-day attack is a vulnerability being discovered yeah. that is not announced exactly. to, to the companies to be fixed and in the moment gets exploited. Yeah. And it then turned out in um, after this yeah. uh, event that actually the NSA, the US uh, Security Agency, Agency. Uh, had a whole toolkit uh-huh. of zero-day exactly. vulnerabilities that they were aware of that they never obviously announced, informed, informed Microsoft or whatever because they had a toolkit for exploiting them. Because that was their... Because their business, right? Business, yeah, they... So, you know, it's not in their interest to uh, inform anybody about those attacks. Yeah, and like you said, via a USB stick. Yeah. And actually, I, this reminds me of a case of somebody trying to hack a place where they just started to throw USB sticks near where employees were going. <gasps> so they found in the floor a USB stick. Oh, free USB stick. Oh, somebody dropped it. Yeah. Go to the company computer, because that's what usually employees see do. See what's on it. Let's see what's on it, and that's it. You're done. And that's a pretty common technique. That's use of psychology, right? Yeah. Drop it there. I remember even in schools and things, people for a moment started to throw USB keys above the the walls right. to land somewhere. Right. Whoever would just pick it up and plug it. And that was running immediately, was triggering yeah, the infection. Done. That's yeah. done. It's yeah, done deal. Yeah, immediately, as soon as it loads, yeah. bootloader. Well, at the time, uh, Stuxnet represented what is regarded as the most sophisticated weaponized oh, yeah. software known. Because that, that was the objective of that. But that was yeah. 2010 when it was discovered, or exactly. 2005 when it started <laughs> being developed. Now, just to clarify, it is now widely acknowledged that Stuxnet was developed in a cooperation between the US and the Israeli intelligence mm-hmm. services. And interestingly, interestingly, although they infected the Iranian uh, centrifuge program, yeah. The Iranians actually took the Stuxnet code, modified it, and actually used it themselves on somebody else. (laughs) (laughs) And I think this is the thing about this kind of technology, is that actually you can use it to attack your foe, but they can actually take that technology, modify it, and attack you with it. Exactly, attack back. Yeah, it's weird. It's like uh-huh. somehow they've got your gun, put a bullet in it, and shot you with it. Well, it's, that's why it's called a war, because uh, the moment you attack one, yeah. they could retaliate back. Yeah, it is bizarre, right? Uh-huh. So that was started in 2005, discovered in 2010. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure things have moved on since then, clearly. Yeah, right? yes. Um so now it takes to the mo- another more recent one 2015 do you want to maybe just yeah. walk through that one right it's, and the date is very interesting because it was 23rd <laughs> of December Merry Christmas Merry Christmas 2015 yeah where a Ukrainian power plant uh, worker suddenly you know in his shift the cursor of the computer star- uh, screen came to life and the cursor began to click through the system yeah he tried to take control of it, but became locked out of that computer. So from, you know, this point of view, the hacker was controlling from 
somewhere else. Which they never found, by the way. They never found, yeah. He was controlling all this critical infrastructure system. And they were talking about the power plant. Yeah. Which, if this hacker would have... Uh, he did. Well, he was able to navigate through many, many options and shut down the power section and affected 100,000 people for six hours. Imagine, right? But this guy could have even get access to other power yeah. plants. And imagine a, a total shutdown. That would be scary. And interestingly enough, most countries um, regard deliberate infrastructure uh, attacks or hacks as an act of war. Yeah, right? definitely. So... And I'm, I'm sure many things starts like that. <laughs> Try to provoke yeah. something that would lead to an actually an, a real war. Well, I actually, I actually wonder whether, and I don't know whether I'm slightly paranoid, I don't know, but I actually wonder whether these examples that we see like this Ukraine yeah. attack are actually uh, the equivalent of what you see in the movies when, you know... Like in an Iron Man movie where uh-huh. the the characters go, oh, we have to give this demonstration of what uh, our new whiz-bang weapon can yeah, do. Yeah, that could be. And you go out into the desert and you blow something up or something and all, all the generals are there. Whereas with this technology, you literally, yeah. you can just make a, you know, you can just make a video of you actually affecting yeah, definitely. a real-world attack in some not-so- primary country that demonstrates the power of your mm-hmm. software technology, right? Yeah. You know, if you start to think about, for example, f- the, the reasons for First World War, the reasons for the Second World War... <laughs> were quite... Or, well, or, or were very small, s- small right? stuff yeah. based on a, f- how can we say, physical attack. Mm. In this new era, these kind of digital attacks or cyber attacks... Mm could actually lead to a bigger confrontation. They could. Or... And this one could be even worse. Well, the, I think the interesting thing for me is that you could imagine a situation where if these tools were sophisticated enough, um, that you could actually compromise mm-hmm. a country's ability to actually fight back. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So... Um, Although we have cases of people that push wrong buttons. We, <laughs> and they get... Yeah, well, uh, we had a right laugh about yeah. the Hawaiian thing, right? Yeah, in Hawaii you can get a, yeah. an alert of a missile coming. I'd, but imagine that something, some technology could do that instead of a person making a mistake. Yeah. But Yeah. Well, we all know, right, that the... Uh, well, most people know that the internet was originally developed by DARPA, which is the... The, uh, defense Advanced Research Program in the US, and that um, the internet was originally meant to be a um, self-healing, shall we say, communications network uh, in case of conflict, nodes of the internet could be taken out and packets would just get rerouted and it would carry on. Now, I suspect that the military don't use the internet anymore. They've got their own solution. Yeah, But again... In a um, conflict, and there's been some stuff in the news about it recently, uh, looking at our dependence of our entire economies on the internet, right? 
Definitely. And and the vulnerability of subsea cables. Mm-hmm. And there's been a lot of stuff, certainly in the some Western media, about uh, how vulnerable those undersea cables are, and if they were disrupted, what it would do to the economies of those connected countries. Because you you turn back to old old ages. It's like the it's like the eighties, right? Yeah. Yes, yeah. absolutely unbelievable. Because of course now in the eighties we had um, kind of um, cables dedicated to telephony mm-hmm. and all that stuff. But of course now all telephony is IP telephony. Yeah. So yeah. you just have to take out the core network and it's all gone you definitely don't have any more workers switching cable patching around it's all gone it will just go right it'll it'll be like switching off civilization (laughs) 2.0 we'll be back to 1.1 pretty Mm. quickly right (laughs) so so yeah that was uh, 2015 yeah Uh, they never found the perpetrator no um and Affecting 100,000 people. Yeah, and I do wonder whether it was a drive-by, right? Where, where it was, uh, look, this is what we can do. Mm-hmm. And now Could you be. pay us, right? Uh, stranger things have happened, right? Mm, definitely. And then if we bring ourselves crying a well up to date. Yeah. Um, May 2017. Oh, yeah. Was the WannaCry. Um, we had a lot of work to do. Ransomware, <laughs> yeah. Uh, the ransomware, which affected 150 countries, and oh, yeah. do you know a bit more about this? I mean, I never really well, came across uh, it. The thing is that uh, this version, it was the new version of this, uh, uh, let's say, attack right. virus. Um, it was newly developed and was made to be targeting. Massively. Yeah, huge scale stuff, right? Because before, this ransomware was targeted but a specific uh, people or clients or right, right. not clients, uh, companies. Right. And sometimes uh, they started to target also maybe some uh, people, in the just normal people, regular people. Right. But mostly they were targeting a lot of specific, uh, specific companies and right. things. That, and many of those problems, uh, I remember... One of the first uh, big ransomware news was, I don't remember exactly which company it was, uh, an employee left the computer on. (laughs) When the policy was that all computers should be uh, shut down and I don't know what, and he left his computer on and signed on and everything. And that's the computer that got infected. Wow. And when everybody arrived and turned on, everybody on ransomware. One of the articles attached to this uh, podcast gives a really uh-huh. nice example, which was a company that ran a uh, internal exercise to a phishing attack. They created a phishing attack mm-hmm. to test their staff's response to a phishing attack. Oh, yeah. And they created, talking about individual stupidity, right? So they created this phishing email and the phishing email simply said this is a phishing email do not press this button in the email yeah and i believe everybody somebody pressed pressed it yeah yeah yeah. it had to be yeah and apparently they then interviewed this individual as to why did you press that button when it said this was a phishing attack 
and it was a bloke, a young guy, and he said, well, I just wanted to see what it would do. <laughs> I can't imagine yeah. that. <laughs> That's how engaged he was, right? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, a lot, of, a lot of this stuff relies on people's yeah. vulnerability again. Mm-hmm. It? It's psychology. It's, I mean. it's always the weakest link. Yeah, people, right? People is always the weakest link because you can have a one million dollar infrastructure yeah. if you want, or millions. Yeah. But if one guy says, "Let me see what this does," yeah. that's it. I found this USB stick. Yeah. And even if you have policies, you know, like, okay, yeah. I disable USBs yeah. because that has become like pretty common now. Yeah. USBs are disabled. There's no more uh, optical units in computers yeah. and you rely mostly on network. Yeah. And still, like you said now, in the case of the email, somebody could say, well, let me click to see what happens. Yeah. And that all your million security, dollar security, it's just worth nothing, right? Words worth nothing. So, again, it's a bit like cat and mouse, isn't it? So, uh-huh. as we, as um, IT departments, whatever you want to call them, close down the attack surface in terms of physical stuff, it yeah. just becomes virtual, doesn't it? The attack vectors, yeah. the attack vectors go into the digital domain mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then start to use psychology and... Yeah, and you they're start very to, good at that. Right? Yeah, you start to use um, social psychology. Yeah, exactly. Social mm-hmm. psychology for phishing attacks. Yeah. But let's uh, see more or less what happened with WannaCry because WannaCry uh, was a big thing. It was. So it was spread to 150 countries. Millions worldwide. of PCs. Millions, really millions mm. of PCs were infected. And uh, the malware was encrypting all the data yeah. and they were demanding the equivalent of... Uh, $300 or £230. Yeah. And uh, mostly was Northern, Central, and Eastern Europe yeah. affected. Yeah. And for doing this, people had to make a payment to a website uh, that was the constantly being changed. Changed, yeah. And you have to deposit the money and you would get a key mm. to unlock. Yeah. The problem with this kind of uh, cryptocurrency is that you cannot always it was, be sure. It was Bitcoin, actually, wasn't it? Yeah. Want, I thought they wanted payments in they, Bitcoin. They wanted payment in Bitcoin, yeah. yeah. And did you see, did you read how much they made? How much they think they made? Uh, $90,000. Yeah, yeah it's possible, yeah. That's all. Because mm-hmm. they kept shutting it down, shutting it down. It, it, but it still, it infected a lot of computers, lot. which should theoretically not have been happening. Mm-hmm. And the problem was, how many of those computers could be government computers? I know. You don't want to think about it, do you? Yeah. You just don't want to think about it. And apparently WannaCry is still wandering around in yeah, various it's still forms. still around, yeah. Still around. A lot of uh, the infections come from PDFs, is that right? Y- yes, well, yeah, there were many ways. Yeah, lots of vectors, a file right? is a file. usually... Yeah. yeah, click on a file, right? So, uh, those are three real-world <sighs> examples. They're the yes. ones we know about. Mm-hmm. We're pretty convinced, aren't we, that uh, this is just the tip of the cyber attack oh, iceberg, right? Yeah. Um, so looking for, let's just finish with looking forward, what what are the big issues, right, in this area? Mm-hmm. And I think it's fair to say that while 
current technology, critical infrastructure, financial systems, business systems are better protected than obviously they ever have been, right? Uh, There are two big areas of concern that are kind of legacy stuff, really, which is legacy infrastructure connected to the internet. For example, I read that in the US, the power grid, uh, a lot of the stuff connecting the power grid to the now connecting it to the internet, you know, controls and all this stuff, is 30 plus years old technology. In other words, developed literally before the internet was created. And they are still scrabbling to try and secure that by putting stuff in between, Mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. But it's hugely vulnerable. So you have old legacy infrastructure connections pre-internet. Then you've got out-of-support operating systems being used. Like we were talking Windows XP computers. There's millions of them, right? I mean, the numbers uh, are I think huge, the numbers now I reduce, but there are still a lot. It's in the hundreds of millions, isn't now, it? Now, there's another problem right now. Yeah. Because while Windows XP is not anymore, like... Uh, updated. Updated and so on. And yeah, they're still out there. Yeah. Most or a lot of people already move out of XP. Into 7. Into right? 7. Saying that, well, 7 is the most stable right now. The problem is that 7 will go out of support I as well. Know, I know. When and, is it going out? It's going to be, it's, oh, it's going to be think, another nightmare, right? Yeah, it's going to be another nightmare, definitely. <laughs> so you leave one to enter to another. But again, it's cat and mouse, isn't it? This is a yeah. constant game of catch-up by yeah. everybody, right? And there's another point, which was the Internet of Things. Yeah. Now you can find uh, bulbs and things that are controlling... Your heating, the light, the electricity, everything in your home, all connected to uh, controller devices at home. Toys. Like toys. With cameras in. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about, uh, for example, uh, Google Home, even Alexa, you know, thermostats and their apps that you can control with your phone, everything. These makes your home even more vulnerable. Yeah. Because the companies manufacturing those things are, are not, not considering thinking security. about security, right? They are appallingly bad. But not only that, uh, and probably this is, I think, the critical point of everything, which mm. is uh, awareness. Yeah. Because if a user, an end user, would be um, paying more attention to the security, yeah. all this internet of uh, devices connected, like bulbs or things that control... Yeah. Somehow your home, or something, they should be at least protected behind something. Almost like a domestic firewall. Exactly. And still then, you know, the problem is that some devices might be Bluetooth enabled. Yeah. And then, because they're Bluetooth enabled, then you're talking about another monster. Further vulnerabilities. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and of course, there's the whole Wi-Fi problem, right? Definitely. Like what happened recently with the WPA2 security breach. Yeah. And you're not telling me that's the only problem, right? No. I mean... I'm sure the NSA know all the other ones. Yeah. Yeah. So, and of course, you now have quite a lot of uh, internet-connected children's toys. Some of them with cameras in them. Mm -hmm. Some of them with microphones in them. You have uh, even TVs. We have discussed this before. Yeah. TV is listening to you. Well, and and these Alexa and uh, the other Google Home, Google Home, they're all listening. In fact, I read a really good 
<laughs> about the they only really send information with a certain the keywords. No. Well, uh, well, I read this article about uh, somebody who got sacked who worked for Alexa's Amazon, isn't it? Somebody got sacked for sending an email to a Alexa customer as a joke that said, naming the customer, have you fallen out with your girlfriend because we haven't heard you having sex with her recently? Oh. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Well, you know, for example, there's this uh, problem that happened very funny in a way when a guy heard a commercial. They were discussing a oh, TV yeah. show about a doll. Yeah. And they were like, yeah, Alexa, buy, I don't know how many pieces of this yeah. doll. And one, a lot of people... Alexas were ordering them, weren't they? Were ordering the, the doll yeah. to Amazon. And they were just turning up. And then boom, everybody <laughs> got dolls and, you know... What a great way of boosting sales. But not only a few sales, dolls, right? a lot of dolls. Yeah. And that is just unbelievable. It is concerning, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm sure... We're not saying that the likes of Alexa or whatever the Apple product is, or whatever the Google one is, uh-huh. uh, we're not saying they have got poor security, although I'm sure it's not perfect. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's just this whole concept of these, I think, generally speaking, with these products that listen, yeah. these voice command products, uh-huh. people do not fully get that that voice processing is not occurring on the device. No. They don't get it. Has it has to happen in the server it's going back away. Back in the cloud somewhere because uh-huh. they cannot put yet that level of sophistication mm-hmm. or processing in the device. And in the end the big problem with all this is that all these vulnerable devices can mm. be hacked yeah. and team up together like well, uh, an IoT botnet. Exactly. Right? Imagine that. Well, I think it's already been done apparently. Mm. It's already been done as a mm-hmm. as an experiment. Yeah, I, I don't doubt it at all. I mean, all. can you imagine you could have tens of millions of IoT devices yeah. launching a an attack? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you, it's just incredible. And so, what's the response to the threat level? Yeah, <laughs> that is the <laughs> the interesting part as well because, yeah. uh, well. It's it's a public and private problem, isn't it? Yes. I think it has to be worked in parallel. And, and the biggest play here has to be awareness. I think that is the first line of defense. Yeah, the it? first one, definitely. Yeah. Then you have to get rid of all those outdated equipments and operating systems out of... Yeah, everywhere. Everywhere. But the problem is people find this... Very tedious and boring stuff, which it is, really. Well, yeah, I agree, indeed. It uh, is. It's but... very difficult. You almost need a, like, a scrap for cash program. Uh-huh. Definitely. You know what I mean? Hmm. Where you could get some credit or something for web services if you turn in your... But, of course, no doubt somebody would turn that into a scam, but... <laughs> yeah, I can already think of ways of doing that. Um, but... In terms of enterprise, a number of very large corporates have already established um, cybersecurity test uh-huh. labs where they're actually offering enterprise-level uh, services on um, 
penetration services to identify vulnerabilities yeah. and mitigation actions to um, patch those vulnerabilities. So in terms of enterprise, stuff is going on. In terms of public, uh, at the state level, all major developed economies have their own efforts. Uh-huh. So for example, in the UK, we have the NCSC, which is actually a branch of G- GCHQ, which is the main uh-huh. um, the main security organisation in the UK. And we've given some links to those. They're quite interesting. Uh-huh. And, of course, in the US, you've got the NSA, which is their main... Uh, yeah. Main, well, the public one. Yeah. I'm sure Before NSA, others. it was something like... Um, because I have been subscribed to their uh, warns and alerts right. since, you know... Forever. Long time ago since I was certified. Yeah. And uh, have you been certified, Rafa? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, let's not go there. Let's not go there now. But yeah. uh, uh, I get. I used to be. Uh, sci- uh, how how cyber threat alerts or something. Se- security, yeah, alerts and so on. Now they are mentioned like uh, NSA. Right. Uh, cyber alerts or security yeah. alerts, something like that. Well, we've given a, a link to a very interesting document published mm-hmm. by the NSA in 2013 uh, called Worldwide Threat Assessment, which is mm-hmm. a comprehensive 34 pages. Interesting reading, actually. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure the whole situation has moved on somewhat, but it's generally speaking, it's the same old, same old, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there are various efforts around the world. Uh, there is one private effort, which is quite interesting, I've had a look at. Uh, there's an organisation called I Am The Cavalry. Okay. And it has arisen. Uh-huh. They are cybersecurity professionals that, that uh, run it, shall we say. And they're very concerned about the catastrophic effects that a cyber attack can have on uh, human life, mainly to do with uh, hospitals and so on and so forth. Yeah. Um, we've given a link to their website. It's a very interesting read, some very interesting reads on their website. It's a US organisation, but I think mm-hmm. the, the, the dangers and the warnings that they uh, give on their website is applicable in any developed economy and clearly there needs to be a global yeah definitely response doesn't there mm-hmm. so we're finishing right? yeah what have we got just a few movies uh to oh, blimey. to to recommend because yeah. they're related and i think the classic, classic. one it's like uh <laughs> every, i think a lot of people have seen this one yeah. and it's war games yeah 1983 where a high school student david lightman hacks into a military supercomputer while searching for new video games. Yeah. And <laughs> basically this starts a global thermonuclear war. Yeah. He thinks he's playing a game, yeah. but he's actually controlling the whole thing. Right? The whole thing. <laughs> so... <laughs> it's Matthew Broderick's about yeah. 12, I think. Yeah. But, but you know, this is exactly what I was talking earlier, that how things have changed yeah. from the script kiddies, the kiddies that yeah. wanted just innocently find stuff yeah. or just causing to mischief a real you know proper yeah then we have another one which is a classic which is hackers of 1995 i'm not sure i've seen that uh it was uh, kind of common actually is angelina jolie um 
Or maybe I have. And Johnny Lee Miller portrayed two youthful in uh, hackers. Yeah. And uh, one of them got caught as a very young child after ch uh, crashing thousands of computers and was sent to zero computer access until his 18th birthday. Right. Which starts the whole adventure because he suddenly... They try to kick him away from the computer, but he finds any way he finds a access, way, right. and then it was needed for him to have access, and right. so on. Did he yeah. have to save the world in the end? Uh, something like that. Right. Yeah. Was Bruce Willis in it? No, I don't think so. Oh, but Bruce. actually, there's a lot of movies related to this thing, and one of Bruce Willis' movies is also has to do with uh, cybersecurity and attacks. Which one was? of the diehard ones. Oh, uh, yes. Uh-huh. Yes. I didn't put it here because, you know, we could stay like two more hours we talking about indeed. this kind of movies. But we all have lives to live. Yeah, exactly. You can search for more of those. So, one more. One more. Actually, it's two more. Two more. Yeah, because, uh, especially the last one. I think the, we've all seen this one. The Net, I think, yeah. uh, made a big impact, especially because it was uh, Sandra Bullock and because, you know, I'm a fan of Sandra Bullock. <laughs> As am I. And, uh, well, in the movie, uh, uh, Sandra Bullock is a programmer. Yeah, and that's quite amusing. Yeah, yeah, the, the way they... The way they, dis they kind of presented <laughs> that technology is quite funny. Yeah, so a lot of her colleagues are dying. Yeah. And she goes in a trip um, to Mexico and she gets seduced by a stranger and then she's caught up in this conspiracy yeah. to uh, identity being a ref, identity theft, which yeah. actually, this is, I think, was one of the first movies talking also about identity yeah, theft. Yeah, because wasn't it some government agency that got some yes. back door into uh -huh, uh -huh. something, some yeah. like a firewall thing Because that the programs, that the software they were developing was actually something else doing yeah. that not all programmers knew what was doing. Exactly. Uh, And then the last one, which I haven't seen, actually, But for sure. this one... Is it good? The last one, everybody uh, in the community, let's say, uh -huh. likes this one oh. for the approach. Right. It's realistic. And it's originally is German. Mm. It's a German, uh, actually, movie. Mm. And it's called Who Am I? Mm. Which is like the command, Who Am I? I've actually got this on my movie list. I just haven't watched uh -huh. it. And the subtitle in English is... No System is Safe. It's from 2014. Right. And the original uh, title is in German, actually. Right. It has English subtitles, so if you find it, you will surely find it in with English subtitles. It's about a guy, Benjamin, a very young German uh, computer geeky nerd guy, you know, very... And he's invited to join a, a, a hacker group, right. an underground hacker group right. that wants to be noticed on the worldwide. Does it sound familiar? It does indeed. Yeah. Sounds like anonymous. Yeah. But the approach that they had to how they were managing, uh, especially in the chats, you know, chat rooms, mm -hmm. that's when and things get very interesting. Uh, uh, the approaches they took are more like a real approach is what happens in right. normal, in the actual times about hacking and not like we used to see in old movies. You know, a typical guy Rubbish. typing all kind of yeah. stuff and, oh, immediately, miraculously. Oh. Yeah. Uh -huh, uh -huh. And the computer making a noise while it's doing it. Uh -huh. We wanted to recommend you some books. Oh, yeah. But uh, I think... Uh, That looks pretty blank there. In the notes, yeah. But uh, <laughs> I think uh, if you would like to see the reach of what uh, a hacking attack can do yeah. or how, how things are, could happen... I think it's a very interesting book to read. 
from uh, Kevin Mitnick, Ghost in the Wires. Oh. So check for it out. It's all his uh, story. And you will discover how, actually, like we were saying, the weakest target is always the people. Mm. And every time somebody wants to really make big damage, we'll start by seeing... Figuring out. Who can they target. Yeah. So, a word of advice. A word of caution. Be always aware. Yeah. Of what you do and from people asking you questions. And that USB stick that you've just picked up in the car park. Yeah. Unless you have a very good way, secure way to check what is inside. Throw it away. Better just throw it away or destroy it. You never know. You don't. Yeah. That's interesting, actually, that. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, there's, you know, before we go, because we are reaching already like one hour. Oh, God. And uh, before that... uh, uh, there's one more phrase Go that on. is pretty famous in the information security, let's mm-hmm. say, community. That uh, security is not a product. Security is a process. Right. So, which includes, you know, awareness and how you right. behave yourself, control yourself with equipments and things. So, Is there a 12-step program? Uh, I don't think so, but uh, that would be, Should would be a nice idea. One? Let's create one. <laughs> But you're right, it, yeah. it is not, a, it's kind of a state of mind as much as yeah. anything, isn't it? Mm-hmm. But it is a process, as you say. It's a process, it's not a Layers, product. right? Mm-hmm. Product is part of it, it's not an all. Yeah, and the first thing to do is eliminate people. <laughs> yeah. Which I think is why the neutron bomb was developed. So. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Shall we finish on that? Yeah, let's finish on that. <laughs> And actually, we had an unfinally prepared, but we, let's oh, throw yes, it next week. We did, didn't we? Yeah, we'll do it next week because yeah. that's hilarious. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Thank Good. you, Carl. Thank you, Rafa. And see you next week. My name is Rafael Ruiz. Talk to you next week down the rabbit hole. Yeah, bye. Bye bye. All names, sounds, logos, and other related items are owned by their respective trademark and copyright holders. This podcast is a production of Dark Mind Radio. Go to darkmindradio.com to find out more. All rights reserved, Dark Mind Radio, 2017.